Hello and welcome to another edition of the Purple Theory Podcast. My name is Grant McGalliard and have alongside me my co-host, my friend, Parker Fleming, coming to you from an undisclosed location in the south of France. Parker, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Yeah, it's, it feels very good to be back to um, uh, undisclosed location, no longer posting, um, you know, hey, I'm visiting this town. Mm-hmm. Hey, does anyone know where this place is or whatever? Um, I will say I've had a couple, you know, I post I post some outdoors views now and then when I go see them. And I've had a bunch of people ask me where. And my answer to that question is, I bought a house somewhere awesome, and I don't want any of you to come find it. Um we're, we're, we're full. We have enough people up here, so I'm not telling any of you. And also, who are you? The cops? Uh, it's because it's none of your business. Why do you want to, why do you want to know? Yeah. Why are you asking questions? Um, yeah. So, you know, the fun joys of, uh, of homeownership have been uh, thrust upon me as well, which makes me feel really, um, uh, simultaneously very grown up and simultaneously uh, in, in, like an infant, um, just in all the helplessness of, oh, I have to figure all this out. But um, I've got a brisket in the sous vide that's been going for about 12 hours and I'm uh, going to let it go until dinner tomorrow. Oh, I'm, I'm going to um, stop you there. And sous vide a brisket, not a, not a technique I'm familiar with. No, no. So again, I'm, I'm extremely pro sous vide. I think it changes the game in terms of consistent application of heat. Um, and I, I will agree that, that barbecue purists should... Um, should raise their noses at me, but one desperate times call for desperate situations. I have the sous vide. I don't have my grill. Um, and two, uh, I, I really care about the quality of the meat, not just the holistic experience. And I, I could not do a brisket, um, or any kind of barbecue on a, on a smoker, e- even close to what I can do in the sous vide, uh, with, with little effort. I would have to put in so much effort and it would not be great. Um, and so I'm I'm okay with that. Um, yeah, I'm okay with that. It is a little weird. I admit this is not a barbecue podcast, but I do have one more question before we get to the the meaty and substantive topics that we have at our disposal today. Are you going to finish it like like in the oven? On a, you know what's what's your plan there? Yeah, so I've got it in the sous vide bag, and I put a little liquid smoke, put a little dry rub, mm. got a little let it sit overnight, got a little got a little rind on it, if you will. Um, and I'm going to do that overnight and then I am going to, uh, finish it in the oven and just kind of broil it. Um, again, the liquid smoke should take care of kind of the smoky flavor there. Mm. And ideally I would finish it in a smoker and that would be great. And like do apple wood or something over the top of it, but I'll finish it, um, tomorrow, probably take it out and let it rest for a little bit and then finish it right before dinner and serve it up with, um, some some veggies and some potatoes. Nothing nothing crazy. Folks, this has been Cooking with Parker and Grant. We will see you next week on Purple No, I'm kidding. Um that sounds delicious. You'll Parker. know it looks you know you'll know I did a good job because I'll post it on Twitter if I did, and if I didn't, I won't post it on Twitter. Never so. post food on Twitter. Lincoln Riley learned this. No, Colin Cowherd learned this. I think this. always post food on Twitter. Just don't be arrogant about it and know what you're doing. Don't post food on Twitter unless you absolutely know what you're doing. Fair enough. Uh, we don't know what we're doing, but we are going to take a stab at some things. Uh, Parker, we created a rundown before the show, and now I've already almost forgotten where we're going to go. But I think it goes to the big news of the day, which is that even in May, TCU stays cruton. Uh, we have a new yeah. member of the offensive line at TCU. Uh, Ezra Dotson, and I feel bad for this, Ezra Dotson Oyatade, I think, Um uh, I felt good about that. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to try it, but I felt good about that. I I I already called him in a tweet. Edo, I love Edo. Like, Edo is the name. I, I think that's fantastic. Um, yeah, it's kind of like everybody's dad's favorite band, ELO, Electric Light Orchestra. He's he's Edo. Jeff Lynn is underrated. Member of the I, Traveling Wilburys. I, I love Jeff Lynn. I like I like I like yellow too. I just think it's funny because it literally is everybody's sure. It, it, well, let me rephrase that. Most of the people who went to TCU and have similar backgrounds as me, their dad's favorite right. band is yellow. Uh, Spotify's summer playlist for me had one hundred five three eight overture on it, and I was like, "Is this the man that I've become?" Um, yeah. So EDO is a uh, offensive lineman, six three two eighty five, committed to Arizona State. Didn't really see a lot of playing time with the Sun Devils, uh, but he's from Garland, uh, Lakeview Centennial High School. Um, was a four-star coming out. Um, seems like a good prospect. I, I don't know the story of why he didn't play at Arizona State, but I'm glad that he came back to Texas, and I'm glad he chose TCU. Um, 
what stands out about I, him? I think I yeah for you. So so two things that I really like about this. One, um, him coming home and being like a blue chip recruit, mm-hmm. four star, right? Him coming home uh, is kind of proof of concept about what Sonny Dykes wants to do with Texas recruiting. Sonny Dykes is going to play the portal. Sonny Dykes is going to have his arms wide open and say, um, welcome home. Um, he gained about 20, uh, 20 pounds his freshman year, mm-hmm. EDO did, and didn't play at all. So very clearly was almost a redshirt year effectively from, from somebody that I was talking to about it. He threw discus in high school and all of his recruiting profile stuff is super mobile, um, will be a pulling guard, which I think I'm very optimistic on. Uh, the, the Sunny Dykes run offense is not hard to learn. What I am interested in is his ability to supplement uh, an, an issue that we talked about maybe last time we podcasted, which was, um, run blocking from the backfield, specifically Kendra mm-hmm. Miller. Um, and I think his versatility might free TCU up to go, um, five wide and, and leave a, leave a running back out of the backfield completely empty. Um, and, and, and play around with that some. So, um, or at least run four wide and keep a bigger body in there and, and move some guys around. So that to me is, is intriguing. Um, I think I said two things. The other thing is, um, again, i we're, we're still going to figure out how we do this. Um, TCU strength coach was a, yeah, a, a bad was a part of this typical yeah. thing. He's, he's good at his strength right. job. I, I can't, I, yeah, yeah, if, I if you have any other questions, go back to the podcast. That's fine. Um, but uh, I think that him having a full summer to get in there and get into TC's program, he will only get bigger. So this could be an immediate impact. I think it, at, at, at 285 with his athleticism, he absolutely could plug and play here. Um, especially if we know he's going to be mobile, I might feel more confident about him than like a John lands who we know who he is. Um, but also a, a very good foundation long-term because again, four years of eligibility, we'll get into the strength program and we'll, and we'll build up there. Um, uh, Grant, have you heard anything about Garrett Hayes? I have not, which is almost concerning. Um, I was just kind of excited for him to develop over the off season. Um, but I haven't really heard anything about it was role is or, or how he, I mean, how he's going to fit in. Yeah, I haven't seen him kind of projected on anything. I, I wonder if this isn't uh, we, you know, he might get lost in the shuffle. Yeah, um, or have delayed development just because. I mean, next year TC is going to lose a lot, and so um, with with Coker being gone, with Lands being gone, with Harris being gone, uh, and so maybe he'll play his third. I, I guess his third or fourth year now. Um, maybe he'll play as an upperclassman for a couple seasons, and and that just might be the case. But for him being such a highly touted prospect, I was I was pretty disappointed that he hasn't. Um, kind of broken through in a significant way. Sure. No, I agree. Um, and honestly, that the whole thing with the EDO coming in is that I am just excited that there's more competition um, on the offensive line. Um, I think competition's great. I think TCU has seen a few transfers come in that have panned out. A lot of them have not panned out at tackle and offensive line, but we have a, a, a guard. But but we have a new regime here that has brought in a new offensive line coach, and hopefully that'll help. Um, and, and I'll leave it at that so as not to, to say mean things about a person. But um, I, I'm excited yeah. for this edition. Well, and um, yeah. I, I think I think it only helps. I think TCU has not had the same starting five linemen play, you know, 10 games, even double yeah. digit games in a season since I think before you were born, Grant. So uh, depth is always a good thing. True, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, and I think that I'm potentially excited about an interior line. That that could could look like uh, Edo and Avila at the guards, mm-hmm. who are both mobile and physical, and Ollie at center, who clearly knows the system coming yep. over from SMU and is a physical specimen. I don't I don't guess I realized uh, Alan Ollie is six five, almost three ten. He's a large so man. He's a lot bigger than yeah. I thought for an AAC uh, lineman. And then Steve is uh, good old good old Steve is six four three thirty four. So you kind of have like the almost the um, you know, what are those Russian dolls called? Um, it's like uh, the big one in the uh, Matryoshka. Yeah, sure. I, would, I, I'm going to take your word for that. And and so you've got these kind of uh, this this Russian doll interior offensive line, which is good because SMU moved their linemen around a lot. They were they were um, pulling, they're running counter a lot. You know, the Garrett Riley offense is going to feature counter. That's going to require some guys to move. And if you have potentially guys on the line who could do that, um, maybe you don't have to keep a, a, a Carter Ware in. 
to only block all the time, right? Like I think that's valuable to have that guy, but maybe that doesn't become your base set by default because you have guys who can pull. Yeah, and I wonder too about the the um, diversity of TCU running backs. And what I mean by that is, you know, if we have a really if TCU has a really strong interior offensive line, and we're able to kind of. Uh, I keep saying we. I do not play football for Texas Christian University, though I do podcast about them. But uh, if TCU is able to, to to make holes in the middle of the offensive line, I wonder if there's running backs uh, on the roster that can take advantage of sort of that kind of more physical interior running. Um, I mean, Kendra Miller, to me, is more of a speedster. Um, this is where Zach Evans could thrive. I, I just I, I hope there's a marriage of, of personnel there. Um to where, you know, if we can open up holes up front, that, that we can run inside instead of having to run outside zone the entire time. Yeah, and I've heard uh, Imani Bailey has been pretty good at kind of turning the corner good. and finding the hole and, and been a little physical. So uh, definitely we'll we'll see. Again, Kendra Miller, I think in 2020, was it 2020 or 2021? I can't, all my years run together, but it was like leading the Big 12 in yards after the carry. Granted, that was because there was like two really yeah. long runs, but... Um, you know, he's, he's got some, he's got some pops and burst and, and he's gotten bigger as well. So, um, definitely, uh, maybe some hope for the interior offensive line in the run game, which hasn't been bad, right? Like the run game, TCU's, TCU's run deployment and their selection of when to run has been bad. And at times, look at the West Virginia game, dudes were just absolutely getting lit the F up. Mm -hmm. Um, but the pass blocking is what's really been bad there. And so I'm hoping that, um, that, that kind of, um, trio, I almost called it a threesome in the middle and I'm glad yeah, that I didn't. Yeah. That trio. This menage a trois uh, of TCU also. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Purple Thing After Dark podcast. Um, I hope that the athleticism there frees up the tackles to thrive more because yeah. God, the tackles are going to need uh, some help. They're going to need, they're going to need some maturity and some, some lightning in a bottle. Um, I've heard that Coker, for his long-term prospects would love to play left tackle. And that doesn't seem like mm-hmm. that's going to be a sustainable equilibrium for him. Yeah. I think it's a good way to put it. Um, and Grant, congratulations. I have news. Actually, you're going to play left tackle oh, great. Uh, for, okay. for TCU this fall. I was a left guard on the, uh, on the eighth grade Bay city junior high, uh, C team. Um, cause you were tall and slow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you nailed it. Uh, I will, uh, I'll end this discussion with uh, with uh, EDO's scouting evaluation. So he, he was uh, a member of the class of 2021. Uh, so Gabe Brooks of 247 Sports. And it has my favorite phrase uh, of evaluating any football player. Jumps off the line quickly with some violence. And if there yes. is any phrase I'm looking for in a football recruit, violence is, is the word. Parker, I'm going to offer a transition here for you. You ready for this? Okay, let's do it. Speaking of transfer portals, it's time to talk about Big 12 quarterbacks. Oh, I love that. But can I run one one more piece of banter yeah, sure. by you? Um, you dunk on you, everything I do. I try to make this house a home. And you just stop. We, you Go missed ahead. the big banter that we I talked know, about before. This what is on is you. Um, did you hear that they, after some research, uh, they've assembled a bunch of old tweets from uh, football divisions. And football divisions have been canceled in college football. <laughs> Due to some inappropriate behavior, some um, untoward remarks in the workplace, and some some bad tweets, there are no more divisions in college football. The leaders' division of the Big Ten had some really interesting takes about. I won't insert a topic there, just for it my turns, own sake. It turns out that no one is a leader and no one is a legend, and at the same time, everyone is a leader and everyone is a legend. Um, Grant, this really doesn't matter to me at all no. because. Who Divisionless football has been happening in the Big 12 for a while. Um, one thing that I am worried about and the way that people are doing – approaching this is um, I think we saw ACC and Pac-12 were the first to announce. Mm. SEC is obviously going to move around um, with what they're going to do given that they're going to get two new members uh, pretty soon. Same uh, and, and Big 12 is laying the foundation. But I'm worried that all of this is gamesmanship for an expanded playoff. And I'm worried that it's going to devalue – a conference championship. Grant, I think a conference championship should be one of the most important things in college football. Um, and I, 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 I am okay with that, with there being no divisions. I actually think a pod system where you played more teams more often and then played your rivals consistently yeah. could, 
could be great. So but. I think a pod's great, but I think if they're moving away from divisions, I think they're less likely to move into pods. I think it's going to go into more non-segmented conferences than anything else. I mean, I'm curious as to how the ACC, for example, which has, what, 14 teams, I think, uh, will be able to create a rotating schedule of, hey, okay, as an example, Carolina has to play Duke every year. They have to play North Carolina State every year and probably Wake. And uh, Virginia. So that's four teams off the rip. And then just create a rotating schedule of everyone else. I, I, I Teams are going to get screwed by just hitting the tough part of the schedule even more than they are, even more than they already do now in a sort of non-segmented uh, conference. Un- unbalanced schedules are going to be a really yeah. big issue. And, and it's hard. You can't, you can't balance them per se. Uh, um, not per se, de jure. Like you just yeah. can't, you can't balance them. Um, but I, I, I think that – so the ACC is going to do 3-5-5. Five, five. Yeah, that sounds right. And so that's – you play three three opponents every year and then you alternate the other five. You play one group of five. The next year you play another group of five. The next year you play the first group of five. Yeah. And they go back and forth. And they'll probably stagger those. I would think, but I don't know. And and if you've seen anything on this, please let me know because I I, I missed. Uh, oh, buddy, we are shooting from the head. No, I know, but I'm, I'm just, scrolling, but I'm not seeing. Anything. I know. But I'm just curious if the ACC is like, yeah, Boston College or insert school here is going to play Virginia Tech, Florida State, Miami, Clemson, and what? Uh, uh, insert other good school here. Every you know, that's one of their five. Um. That just seems like an insurmountable mountain to overcome for whatever poor school gets that schedule. And to the point where if you're, they can't give it to Clemson, right? You know, the NFL does, okay, hey, if you're, if you finish first in your division, um, you will play the top division winner of a couple other, a couple other divisions next year. If you give that schedule to Clemson, then you're just giving Clemson more opportunities to lose. Or whatever your top school is, so right the the the, the playoff money and the and the lucra, lucrativity, lucravity is that the <laughs> I don't think it's um, over of over <laughs> pertaining to the lucrativity <laughs> of <laughs> I'm literally trying uh, to think of what home, I'm trying I'm not, to think of what I'm the not word having is. a stroke I'm just a dumbass. <laughs> legitimately I don't know what the word um. Lucrativeness. I think it's it's lucrativeness. Who could say? Um, I don't do this for a living. I forget what I'm saying. Grant, uh, look at my New York Times crossword (laughs) score. Also, Grant, I can't think of this word. I don't know. I know, whatever. The the financial potential of the college football payoff. Go on. There's no reason. There's no way they would do that. And without revenue sharing, you're not going to do that. But it would be interesting to say, like, hey, of this pool of 10 people, we're going to, you know, give you these games. But uh, I I was so optimistic. Uh, all of us, sweet, naive little morons thinking, you know, in 2020, we did scheduling on the fly. BYU found out on Wednesday they were going to play Coastal on Saturday. And you thought, look, we can do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and no, we're not going to no, – nothing's going to change on that front until we get big re- re- reshuffling. So um, I, I – I'm worried that the playoff is increasingly taking over. Um, it already has. I, I think that the, there's a, a segment of the online world that defends the status quo of the playoff by saying if it expands anymore, the regular season won't matter. And I, I think I'm actually opposed to that as well and saying I, I want uh, I, I want no playoff. Like I don't want there to be a national champion. I don't think it matters. That's, right, that's crazy. And I just and, I, and, I, I, and I understand you're coming at this of look at me, I'm a radical. Um, I'm I'm Maximilian Robes Pierre, um, but that's that's not a good opinion. I think it's a great opinion. It's let not. me let me lay it out for a minute. No, don't. And then maybe don't. we'll get to something. <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm telling you right now, it's just a bad opinion. You, I think that conference championships should be really important. I think football should be recent regionalized, and I think we should have. Okay. Really good non-conference matchups, and we don't we don't need ESPN to settle the score. Like we don't need that. We don't need ESPN to do it, but we do need some sort of governing body to do so. Otherwise, then what's the point? Well, uh, let's deconstruct everything. Why are we playing football? I no, worry. I mean, listen, nothing has a point. We're, we're on a cold rock spinning through space. But 
Well, you, you have to create your own meaning, right? That's if we, if we want to get real, you know. Correct. If we want okay, to get philosophical great. here. But, but you could be king of Texas, Oklahoma, Kansas, Iowa, half of Iowa, and West Virginia. What does that get you? And how do you measure up against, you know, Alabama or who? No, we still play bowl games. I'm just saying we don't need a this one's the national championship. I think competing national championship claims are hilarious and good. I don't need someone to tell me who the best team is. Okay, that's right? okay. Like, so that I'm, I'm actually fine with that. But then we need to go back to the bowl anarchy. I'm fine with bowl anarchy, but then we need to do have like, hey, the AP poll crowned us the national champion. Yeah, and these people are like, well, we were undefeated. We're claiming it anyway. And then these people are like, well, the coaches poll did it. We're doing it this way. Yeah, that's great. Hey, we had one loss and we beat Miami in the Orange Bowl. We're taking. We're claiming a national championship. No, this is dumb. I don't know why I engage in this. But, <laughs> Parker, I guess my, my last thing here is, did you at any point ever know what ACC teams were in the Atlantic and which ones were in the Coastal? Okay, so, yes, because the worst one, the Coastal? I think. Is, they had a run of champions, right? And so it was like, UNC, Duke. UNC never won, and I guarantee you. UNC, Tech. Duke, yeah, Tech. I think uh, Louisville may have been in the Coastal, which the, doesn't make a the, whole lot of the sense. Answer's, the answer is no. Right. The answer is no. Unequivocally. I, I, I've mentioned before the Sporkle quiz where it's like, hey, name all 130 FBS teams. I was doing it again today, and they have it broken down by division. I was doing the ACC team, and I had one that I couldn't remember. And I was like, well, you've got all the Coastal. You're missing one Atlantic. I'm like, do you know how little... That helps me in trying that's, to figure out what team. Yeah, was. that's not a hint. It was Boston College uh, on the Atlantic. I'm like, well, that's on the coast. So Massachusetts has a harbor. So anyway. That is, yeah, yeah. that does not make a sense yeah. at all. Also, there's 131 FBS. Excuse me, now. my bad. Uh, update accordingly. Uh, really screws up my tables What's because now team? I can't divide 131 by 5. Uh, James Madison's joining the show. Oh, that's right. I See, I always yeah. type James Madison. It's not that. Then I'm like, right, it's Old Dominion. Uh, but now it's both. Yeah. So which um, Old Dominion is the Monarchs Correct. and James Madison is the Dukes. Bulldogs? Dukes. 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 I knew it was something regal. Yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, this is neither here nor there. No, Divisionless football but, is interesting. Yeah. Uh, resist resist the playoff taking uh, taking over the regular season. That's all I'll say. It, okay. Whatever. The BCS took over the regular season for 16 yeah. years. Yes. And it was bad. It was bad. It was a bad move. I prefer the BCS to the playoff, but that's not a hint there. Um, okay. Well, if they hadn't moved the system all every year and adjusted into it, whatever. Okay, we're not doing we're this. We're not doing this. Um, <laughs> I'm uninterested in this conversation now. <laughs> okay. Hey, Parker, uh, I'm going to offer a transition. Are you ready? Speaking of the transfer portal. Speaking of the transfer portal, <laughs> let's talk about Big 12 quarterbacks. Hey, Grant, let me interrupt your, let me interrupt your sim- somewhat seamless transition for us to have a terrible seven-minute segment that no one enjoyed. In which you lost interest halfway <laughs> like, through. That's- let me actively dissuade people from continuing to listen to this. Oh, my gosh. Okay, let's talk about Big 12 quarterbacks okay. because let me tell you, here's a true fact. There are 10 of them. I would argue there's more. There might there might be. Um, how do you want to talk about Okay, that? so I think what we need to do is establish our base of who do we think is going – we can do that quickly. Who do we think is going to be the quarterback at each school? And then if you like, okay. we can you know, kind of casually rank tiers? them 1 through 10. Like vibe vibe tiers, quarterback vibe tiers. I like tiers. Let, let's tier them, yeah. right, to where absolutely okay. not. Okay, fine, and really good. Okay. Um, but let's start with um, who we think is going to be the quarterback at each school. Um, so let, let's get the obvious ones out of the way. Oklahoma, I'm Dylan Gabriel, I would assume. Yeah. 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 Um, transfer from uh, UCF. Um Great quarterback. Was hurt in 2021 early. Didn't, yeah. didn't play a lot. Yeah. Um, Texas, I, Quinn Ewers, I would think. I I wouldn't be surprised if they started card and pulled the rug out, like swapped okay. him. But I think they're going to roll with Ewers. Okay. I'm fine with that. Oklahoma State, Spencer Sanders. Um, Kansas State, Agent Martinez transferred in from Nebraska. I would yep. imagine he gets the job yep. there. Um, West Virginia, JT Daniels transferring in. 
Yep. Yep. Okay. Just making sure I wasn't I'm making notes for my vibes. Okay. Yeah. 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 Yep. Uh, Kansas, Jalen Daniels, uh, would imagine. Sneakily decent, Jalen Yeah, Daniels. honestly. We'll get to that in a minute. Yeah, not bad. Uh, Baylor, so Jerry Bohannon transfers, and it's going to be Blake Shapin who started the uh, Mitchell Championship game last year, uh, starting quarterback. So I think those are the ones we can definitively say will start at their schools. So the ones we have left are TCU. We'll get into that. Texas Tech and Iowa State. Okay, Iowa State is in the for sure category. It's going to be Hunter Deckers. Is it? There's okay. No competition. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough for that. So that's seven. And then we're basically... That's eight. Texas Tech. So Texas Tech should be Tyler Shuck. Yeah. Again, which is so annoying. But I, mean, um, I wish Smith. they would go with De- Donovan Smith's a dude. He is a dude. I will also say in their spring game, uh, Baron Morton, who's not going to get the job, but played at uh, Eastland, which is a high school that I used to... A team I covered played them, um, and that kid's the real deal. So if there's any competition, he had a mind. great he had a great audition to be uh, to take over for Cole Kelly at uh, Southeastern Louisiana State. Yeah, well, I'm glad he stuck with Tech. Um, I think he uh, I think he's going to be good. No, no, I mean I mean spring ball was an audition. For oh, gotcha, gotcha. Sorry, okay. yeah. I, the joke. Was I was just I was just being head. a bitch, Grant. Yeah, Sorry, that's that's fine. I'm used to that. Um, and then TCU, Tito Duggan or. Let's let's just Tanner it's going to be Morris. Okay, do you not do you have a bit about? Can we talk about Duggan? Look, there are reasons why Max Duggan should not be the starting quarterback at TCU. I fully get that. I think Max should ignore those reasons. I'm not saying Sonny Dykes should ignore them. I think Max Duggan should ignore all the reasons that he shouldn't be the starting quarterback. He's still the most talented QB on the roster. He has the most untapped potential. He's a dual threat that Morris can provide. Ability aside, he's been the, the bellwether for this team for two and three quarter seasons. It's his damn job to lose. And I want him to take command and demand the job. I want him to walk into Sonny's office and say, I'm your starting quarterback. And if you don't like what I do in the first three games, fine, screw it, put Chandler in. But I'll be damned if you take the seat out from under me. He deserves it, Parker. I I really think he does. Um, that is unfortunately not how the world of college football works, which really sucks. But I mean, I think that this is like when this is like when it's not to this degree, but it's like when Coach Taylor had uh, Voodoo come in from the from the hurricane, and he's like, "Look, I like Sayerson, but I think Voodoo gives me a little more flexibility and upside." And you're like, "Man, I, I like that twinges in my heartstrings," you know. And it worked out. It worked out well on Friday Night Lights. Spoilers, but I, I really do think that there is that I would love for there to be some kind of dramatic. Not in the sense of like high school drama, in the sense of like pronounced um, uh, cementing of the guard, where one yes. quarterback said, "This is my team. I do not want to play this." Oh, should we do like some of the guys are liking tweets about Chandler Morris? Some of the guys are, you know, I don't want nonsense. It's, I, it's, I want one of these guys to take over the job. It's we've made this analogy in text before. It's the scene from the other guys. Says Gator needs his gap. It's you walk in, you say, "Listen, I'm taking over this. I'm." The starting quarterback. I've proven I can. I've been surrounded by dog crap schemes and poor offensive lines and have not really been truly given the keys to an offense that I can control. Give me a damn chance. You sent me a clip yesterday that got me all riled up of a throw he made. I had to go outside. I'm going to tweet it out here in a second. I was fanning oh. myself uh, on my couch. Um Anyway, that's my spiel. I, I I know it's not going to happen, but Max should walk in and say, "Listen, I I deserve this damn job, and I'm gonna." Yeah. Anyway, for our purposes, we'll rank both Duggan and Morris, um, and we'll say Shuck at Texas Tech. Okay, just because works for me. That's gonna happen. Okay. Um. So okay, so we're going tiers. Yeah. Let's let's start at the bottom, work our way up. Um. Uh, this is the thanks but no thanks tier. And we're, we're only doing this for, for, for this year, right? So future projections aside, whatever Hunter Deckers turns out to be, who knows? This is the for this year tier, thanks but no thanks. Okay? Okay. Um, in that tier, yeah. Oof. I, I have Jalen Daniels. Yes. I don't, I like upside on all these guys. Can we rename this tier? Sure. Let's let's name this tier fine. Let's 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 just shift everybody. No, else. not everyone can let's be fine. The this fine. is this is not yes, this no. is not the trophy generation. Not everyone can be fine. Some people stink. Okay. 
Jalen Daniels didn't play. He's not in my cutoff. Where we go? Let me get. Let me just get a hundred dropbacks and get him in here. He did. Um, he did throw okay. three touchdowns against Texas and beat Texas uh, in Austin, which I did enjoy. Jalen Daniels completed sixty-eight percent of his passes. Six point six of his passes were big-time throws, according to PFF. That is second uh, behind only Max Duggan. Um, he only had six turnover-worthy plays. Okay, fine. Average fine. depth of target was eight, and he had an adjusted completion percentage of almost 80, of 78.2, which is fourth in the Big 12 last year. Okay. They they knew what they wanted him to do. They had a robust running game. Lance Leipold is a system guy. Jalen Daniels is a fun system quarterback. He's fine. He's at the bottom, but I'm not going to – no one in the Big 12 is going to be aggressively bad at quarterback this year. We are renaming the tiers. It's tier three, tier two, and tier one. Okay, tier, tier three. Jalen Daniels is in tier three. Also in tier three, Hunter Deckers. I yeah. Okay. yeah, I don't think he's aggressive. Again, I don't think he's aggressively bad. Matt Campbell's offenses rely on systems, not dudes. Okay, fine with that. Um, Donovan Smith, tier three. Yeah, pretty raw. Pretty, pretty raw. Yeah. I think a huge oh, sorry. high hey, ceiling hey, we for saying, Smith. We were saying Tyler Shuck, too. I apologize. I would... I'm okay with that. Shuck, yeah. Shuck would be in a higher tier for this year only. Donovan okay. Smith is very raw, um, but very fun. I think that he's in tier three this year, but he has a he has a high ceiling. Okay, so you would put so just just for clarity's sake, you would put Shuck in tier two. Yeah. Okay. Um, this is a take that I don't love. Adrian Martinez is in tier three. Elaborate. Uh, I don't think he's that good. I think it's a dual threat, and I, I do think a lot of that has to be attributed to him playing in Nebraska and whatever the hell Scott Frost is doing up there. Um, I could see him working his way into Tier 2, but if you're asking me to rank Big 12 quarterbacks, I'm in Tier 3 right now. I would put him below Shapin. I would put Shapin in Tier 2 over Adrian Martinez. I think I think that, the, the, yeah, the line here is fuzzy, and I'm, I'm going to disagree – Adrian Martinez was running for his life. Um, Nebraska's pass blocking last year was like 127th uh, in, in the FBS. It was an absolute disaster. Um, Adrian Martinez, of his like 600-something yards, uh, over 75% of those r- rushing yards were scrambles. There was no designed run game for him. He was making plays by the seat of his plants. He is going to go into an environment in Kansas that is going to create a framework of stability around him. With and it's going to be fascinating, but I I'm inclined to think that the chaos, if if it's not chaos framework and chaos player, if it's stable framework and chaos player, that paired with Deuce Vaughn could make one of the more exciting Kansas State offenses. Okay, so, so let me ask you this: Do you think he'll be better than Skylar? I, I don't mean. Do you think he'll be better than Skylar Thompson? See, this is where I get bad about better because, like, okay, no, uh, just humor no, me. Humor, but yes. humor me. In a passing competition, no, but maybe as like the system quarterback, right? Yes. Okay, but I think he has a higher upside than than Skylar Thompson. A higher upside, that's fine. Okay, but I wouldn't put Skylar Thompson in tier two. Oh, I would. Okay, well, I'm too nice. I'm feeling yeah. nice tonight. I don't know. That's fine. Well, that's fine. We're at the border. We're at the J. Um, J. Uh, not Jalen Daniels. Um, Adrian Martinez is at the border between. I'm three fine and two with that. I'm fine with that. So, would you also put Shapin in Tier 2? Would you put him in Tier 3? I think that Shapin is a step up from Gary Bohannon, but I think that Gary Bohannon is a great athlete and a bad quarterback, so I don't know that that's necessarily a big deal. Okay. Uh, The Texas Tech game is the game that Baylor wants you to forget from 2021. Mm -hmm. They very much should have lost it. Shapin was at the helm. Um, He's had an offseason, but Baylor plays to minimize championship. So... He was playing fine and then he got hurt, but also Oklahoma State was hurt in that game. And there's all, I mean, you know, there's context all around it. But I, I think that Shapin can be competent and kind of minimize um, nonsense mistakes. Like Gary Bohannon lost the TCU game yeah, by throwing multiple, multiple very bad passes. Um, and I think that Shapin might be lower variance uh, and lower, like maybe lower variance and lower upside than Bohannon. Okay. But that, that gives you a higher mean. Right, if that okay. if I can get nerdy there. No, no I know I think that makes sense. I am a Blake Shapin truther. I have him in tier two, but I'm I'm fine with I'm fine with that. Um, okay, 
I'm curious about where you put uh, Quinn Ewers or Hudson Card, whichever Texas quarterback. I, I think upside alone gets them into tier two. I think Card is tier two for me. I think Ewers is tier one for me. Really? So, uh, so I, I'm honestly curious. We haven't. I don't think we've talked about this. Um, you're you're high on Quinn Ewers. I think Ewers is far and away primed to be the best quarterback in the Big Twelve. Okay. No, I, I'm not disagreeing with you. I was just curious on your take. Um, He's he's yeah. not going to start at Alabama if Sark is smart, or with Alabama playing right, in, right, in right. Texas. Um, yeah, at eleven o'clock, so he's going to fry down there. But um, <laughs> the, I, I think that they'll, I think they might start Card and sacrifice Card to Alabama, and then bring in yours. Um, the 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 mystique around yours is that he somehow like failed or flamed out at Ohio State, and that's not um, true. No, it's not true at all. Uh, what happened at Ohio State was extremely purely transactional. Ryan Day got a ton of press for really good recruiting, raised his recruiting rankings, got an awesome scout team quarterback, and in exchange, Quinn Ewers could classify early, not waste a year of eligibility, and make money on deals yep. uh, for NIL. That's what happened. He knew he was coming back to Texas 100% the entire time. It was almost like being on loan for um soccer kind of yeah soccer i was i was gonna try and think of like a league but i couldn't think of one yeah Bundesliga, i don't know um is that, is that a thing that is a, that is a thing uh shout out i'm tracked frankfurt this one the european uh the, the europa league today um I, I had a point about relegation i can't believe i didn't make it uh, earlier. Yeah, anyway but no, no viewers i i i'm very curious i, I would put him in, in tier two just because i i haven't seen it um in person okay let's just but, but, let's just ladder match though okay like uh, Adrian Martinez Ewers. versus Quinn Ewers. Ewers. Who do you want this for? I want yours. Uh, then of course everyone below him, right. and then you start to go to like okay Spencer Sanders. I well I'm higher on Sanders than you. This year, sure. As yeah, I, I yeah, think as year. a career, I, yeah. So maybe but I, I, I might I might take Ewers. I might take Ewers over Daniels. I'm not sure. JT Daniels. Which, which no, Daniels. Oh, absolutely. 100%. Yeah. Just the risk factor for right. me. But, um, I, I wouldn't put him over. Let's do JT Daniels. Okay. I have, let's Dan- do JT I, Daniels. Yeah, I have JT in tier two. I have JT Daniels in tier two, um, with the possibility of the bottom absolutely dropping out yes. because, yeah. um, he has not won a job twice now. And if you didn't know that he was a five star recruit, you would not be excited about him. Correct. If Ewers is a tier two with the possibility to jump to tier one, Daniels is a tier two with the possibility to drop to tier three, um, depending on how the season shakes out. Um, the, I think that's I think that's totally fair. The, yeah. the argument for JT Daniels is that USC was a complete disaster, and he was running for his life. He got hurt. He went to Georgia. He had an issue with his doctor. This is real message board stuff here. But like his doctor and the team doctor disagreed. There was some. Uh, friction with the timing. Stetson Bennett took over and and things were going well. And Kirby said, I'm not messing with it. Like, why would I mess with it? <clears throat> Which was the, so, right, the right thing to do if you're Kirby. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so West Virginia had a lot of trouble protecting Daigie early on. Daigie is chaotic and maybe not good. Um, <laughs> it hurts my heart to say that. But um, And so JT Daniels comes in. He's the smartest quarterback uh, and most experienced quarterback to play at West Virginia in years. He is maybe the least chaotic quarterback to play in uh, West Virginia in years because he's not going to be this, you know, running around playing playing um, playground ball. Um, he is going to be a, a passer who can play the air raid. West Virginia got better at protecting uh, down the stretch. And um, they brought in Graham Harrell, who I think will upgrade Neil Brown's offense quite uh, well. Neil Brown did a space with uh, our buddy Anthony Treesh at PFF. Uh, like yesterday or the day before. And Neil actually gave up play calling duties and then they hired Graham Harrell um, because Neil Brown was saying, not that I was mad at the plays, I was focusing too much on that and not prepping the offense. And yeah. so he's going to step back and that could be that could be chairs on deck chairs on a sinking ship. But I think it, it, if you want to believe in JT Daniels, there is a lot there for you to believe in. Yeah, I'm actually really curious to watch West Virginia this upcoming season to see how that dynamic works between Harrell and Neil Brown. Um there's a lot of upside. There's also a lot of, like you said, this could be a complete disaster. And either way, it's going to be very entertaining. Yeah, um, absolutely. So we have three and a half quarterbacks left. We have TCU quarterback. And I'm going to put both Morris and Duggan in tier two. I could hear an argument 
for tier three. Here's a fun question. Yeah. I, I get the sense that you're way higher on Dylan Gabriel than I am, so I probably know the answer to this. Okay. If Chandler Morris hadn't transferred, would he be starting at Oklahoma this fall? Oh, um, that is a really good question. I don't, I mean, yeah, I am probably higher than, uh, on Dylan Gabriel than you then, because I think the answer is no. I think Gabriel, if Gabriel will transfer in, or if you're saying if Chandler was still yeah. there, would they have bothered to go get Dylan Gabriel? I think, I, yeah, I think would they have bothered to get anybody yeah. knowing what we knew about Lincoln Riley? Yeah. Oh, that, I don't know. It's at least interesting. It is interesting. Uh, I, I would take Gabriel over Chandler, and I would take Gabriel over Max. Um, but I, I do wonder yeah. if you have that stability, do you bother going to get uh, another guy? It's, yeah, it's an interesting counterfactual. Yeah, um, I, I think that I'm putting both TCU quarterbacks towards the bottom of tier two. 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 Yep. Yeah. Um, I think that they're both have have very clear paths to being decent. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that depends on their context. Um, we've beaten that horse. Uh, yeah, you know, I don't need to talk about it anymore. But I would say tier two. But 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 for me, maybe that's tier two and a half, kind of below. Um, whoever uh, else we have. In yeah, I mean, I yeah, I'm fine with that. And then so I guess tier one for me would be Dylan Gabriel and Spencer Sanders. I think I'm tossing. So I have a big tier two. But I think that I think that I'm going Ewers and Sanders. I think I'm putting Gabriel in in tier two. Okay. Um, what do you What do you like about Gabriel? Let's. Do, I, I'm talking too much. I'm going to flip. No, it on no, you. it's fine. What do you like about? Um, him? I like what he did at UCF. Um, I think with Jeff Levy as his offensive coordinator. Sure. Which, speaking of people who are involved with the uh, Art Briles scandal. Um, okay. Well, I mean, come on. I'm not holding that against him. I mean, I'm just saying. Like, I. I no, I think- no. I'm just saying. I was just saying we just said the same thing about Kaz, and I was going to say the same thing about Levy. Is like sure, they, sure, those sure, people sure. are around and they're they're in football. Yeah. Yeah. No, I know. Um, this is <laughs> this is very stupid. I like small guys that are also pro style quarterbacks. I find it very funny. Um, but I don't know what he completed sixty percent of his passes. He was the <laughs> starter at UCF for like two and a half seasons, essentially. Um, Grant, you're just poking small quarterbacks with a stick. Come on, run around, I, I, do something. <laughs> Dance. I mean, he threw seven. Look, I mean, these are baseline stats. Whatever he threw seventy picks versus fourteen interceptions. He also ran for eight touchdowns. He, he's, he's so okay. Passing efficiency rating, and I'm literally just directly reading off Oklahoma's website because you put me on the spot because I didn't have the stats ready. I thought we'd be in agreement here. His PER is the seventh best nationally among quarterbacks since 2019 uh, among people that have played since then. I think it's a good quarterback, man. I just want me to tell you. Well, okay, yes, I, I, I'm gonna flip that on you. I know you said you've you've the, been talking too much. Why don't you like Dylan Gabriel? Um, the the knock on him is actually kind of two sided, right? Because you can say, okay, against AAC competition with an NFL wide receiver, sure, but, okay, but that's not fair. At Oklahoma, he is going to have AAC. He's going to have an overwhelming talent advantage in at yeah. least um, eight conference games. And um, he has some some elite receivers. Their their offensive line is going to be pretty good. I think the reason that he's in tier two for me is it's a gimmick offense, and defenses have evolved substantially in the Big Twelve. And I think that his injury uncertainty from last year is always a red flag on kind of so theories. okay. So injury uncertainty, I'm fine with that. And, and if that's your your qualm with him, then I totally get it. But on the field. I have a hard time calling it a gimmick offense, considering it's been very successful for the last six years. In Norman, I, I, I mean, I don't know what you, what they run oh, counter. No, no, no. I'm not calling Norman. I'm calling Levy's offense. Oh, you have UCS. Okay, my bad, my bad. Well, he'll have, like you said, an overwhelming talent advantage. That's not going to make him any worse. I think when no. he starts in Norman, and he'll I have mean, time, and he and to yeah. to. Um, he'll have time to acclimate. He knows the playbook a little bit. Obviously, it's involved. Yeah, uh, evolved some. But I mean, run, run defenses in the Big Twelve are getting better, and Levy ran, uh, you know, uh, a ton at Ole Miss last year. Okay. A ton. And so I think that they are going to struggle to. I think that they'll struggle to establish their run game because they're going to try and run off counter and run off counter, and I think the run game is going to get so disrupted that their RPO game is going to be a little bit rough. Okay, I'm fine with that, but I still be growing pains. Yeah, there, there will be growing pains, but I don't think I don't think that's going to be a result of Dylan Gabriel's performance. 
now, if you want to say he may be limited by what Oklahoma does this year, that's fine. But if we're talking about quarterbacks ranked, I have Dylan Gabriel in tier one. Okay, I think that's I think that's fair. Um, the the last one that we haven't really talked about is Spencer Sanders, which is I really fun in tier one because we, although I obviously don't think he's as good, like I right. don't think he's as good as you are. <laughs> we dumped on Spencer Sanders for the last two years on this podcast, and now he's the only one we unanimously agree is in tier one. But this this certainty, like I just know yeah. who you are. I feel so comfortable designing an offense around Spencer Sanders because I know I know what I'm going to get out of you and. And when you can do more than just line up to the boundary and throw the ball in space, like they did against um, Notre Dame in the yeah. in the bowl game, which huge caveat: do not make large inferences off of bowl games against teams who lost their coach in the middle of the night, right? Like, but they did an impressive comeback, and that offense looked interesting. Yeah, I, I could see a vision where he is he is even keeled. He gets a handle on some of the t- turnovers, and they have a very just plodding, annoying, efficient offense. Parker, there's a take that's lingering here that I think both of us may be circling. Does the Big Twelve have a quarterback problem? I think there's a lot of mid quarterbacks, and not a lot. And yeah, that's that's why I have a lot of no a big ones. tier two. Yeah, I, I I think on aggregate, it's probably better than it's been than it was last year. Yeah, I, I think the floor has risen, but the ceiling may have lowered this year specifically. Yeah, I think I can believe that. So let me, I'm just thinking TCU's floor stays the same. Texas Tech's, or TCU's ceiling the same. Texas Tech's ceiling's the same. Baylor's ceiling raises a little bit. Oklahoma State's ceiling is the same. West Virginia's ceiling raises a lot. Texas ceiling yeah, raises a lot. for sure, but it's raising from low. I mean, West Virginia didn't have a high ceiling yeah, right, before, right, right. right? I'm talking about like in terms of scope, and this may be something we need to delve into a little bit further, but Forgive me for using this term. I'm not sure there's an elite quarterback in the Big, a standout elite quarterback in the Big Twelve. No, uh, especially yeah. with Quinn Ewers being so young right, right that's now what and I mean. us not knowing. That's what yeah. I mean. I mean, yes. whereas so tier one of the Big Twelve. Okay, yeah. tier one of the Big Twelve is probably tier two in the SEC. Right, that's Maybe what I'm saying. Like as opposed yeah. to okay. those years we had, like last year excluded. I mean, get Baker, Kyler Murray. I just named it Oklahoma quarterbacks, but Will Greer at West Virginia was a monster for a while. Uh, Mason Rudolph was really wow, good in college. Um, I love, I love Will Greer. Um, you had a lot of guys that listen. Maybe they didn't pan out in the pros, but they were great college quarterbacks. I mean, you know, um, Kenny Hill was good. Teron Boykin, all that. Um, and now we're just kind of in like, a, well, there's a lot of solid quarterbacks, but there's anyone I would, I would say is a Heisman contender or even you know, defenses are back, baby. No, it's not even that. Anyway, um, okay, we are, <laughs> you're damn right. And, and, <laughs> uh, we are deep into the weeds here. Let's do the last activity we had on our agenda, which is you were, you were planning on coming up with a name for this, but I like spicy or mild. Yeah, that's, so, that's great. I think we're yeah. just, we're, look, like Mexican food kind of, uh, is this, is this, is this too spicy? Is this mild? What's interesting, we're not going to do wins and losses here, but we're going to talk about non-con games mm. for the Big 12 because there are some interesting ones. I think we just go alphabetically yeah, I agree. and talk about why they're fun and why they're not. So um, Baylor plays uh, Louisiana Tech week mm-hmm. one at BYU week two and then Texas State uh, week three. Last year, they beat BYU pretty soundly at home and they Texas State, they, this yeah. Yeah, people are talking about... The, the Texas State, they were up 27 to 20 with no time left on the clock and a ground, a nonsense grounding call got them, uh, a safety. So it technically wasn't a one score game, but, um, they, they were in a one score game with Texas State until there was no time left on the clock, um, last year. Mm. So is this, is this, uh, which of these matchups is spicy? Is this slate spicy or mild overall? So I'm going to give, I'm going to give a spicy to Louisiana Tech because our friend Sonny Cumbie is now the head coach at Louisiana Tech. And I'm very, I'm just very curious. It's spicy to me in the way that, um, sometimes out of the fridge, I'll go get like a pepperoncini pepper and take a bite of it. It, it, it doesn't last long. It's just a nice little kick. Um, so that's a pepperoncini. That's, hey, you know what? Like, I'm curious. See what happens here in Louisiana Tech. Just for, it won't be competitive, but I'm curious. At BYU, I'll give spicy. And, and because, Baylor's, yeah. Baylor starts slow. Yeah, they do. Uh, I mean, I'm a huge believer in Dave Aranda. I think he's a great coach, but we'll see. 
uh, at BYU, spicy. It's hard to play in Provo. And then uh, Texas State, uh, it's mild to me. Yeah, Texas State is like good good for them for, you know, consistently playing a non-FCS program yeah. in, in town. That's great. Yeah, good for them. Uh, um, it is still an FCS school, effectively. But hey, I have a lot of friends that went to Texas State. It's the... Uh, Bob, Bob and Cats, Bob man. and Cats, baby. Uh, Iowa State has Southeastern Missouri. Uh, Bob Petrino is still the head coach of Southeastern Missouri? Yes, I don't know why I put Southeastern Missouri. I think FB schedule said it, because that's just Missouri State, right? That's oh, yeah. Simo yeah, it's the old name. Yeah, Simo's gone. It's Missouri State. But yeah, it's still Bob Petrino. Um, then at Iowa, and then home for Ohio. Uh, I think we'll agree on this. Iowa spicy. The rest I don't care about. Yeah, this is this is mild overall because you're playing I mean you're playing Bob Petrino, that's fun, but Iowa in a game that you just like cannot win. And then um also they play there's no there's no shenanigans. It's FCS big opponent and then a week to recoup yep. before conference play. And so um playing a Mac team is very, very boring. Um yeah, I'm gonna call I'm gonna call this one mild overall. Okay. Okay, I agree. Uh, Kansas starts off with Tennessee Tech, it's an FCS school, at Houston, and then home for Duke. So, I'm going to pivot here a bit, because I think at Houston is probably going to be mild, because I think Houston's going to run away, but home for Duke, I think might be this, I'm talking myself into Kansas. I think that'll be spicy. I think the vision is there. They're returning a lot. Duke Um, stinks. Duke stinks. This is weird. If you notice the dates, Grant, they play Tennessee Tech. Then they go to West Virginia, to Houston, back to back. And then they get Duke at home. And so I'm a little bit worried about like the beatdown effect there. Sure. Um, That's kind of a butt kicking. I mean, this schedule sucks, dude. Look at their their golly. Okay. FCS then at West Virginia, at Houston, Duke, Iowa State, TCU, Oklahoma, Baylor. They could be two and what? One? Two and six. Two and five. five, Really easy. Two and six, one and one and seven. Like I mean, before their bye week on October twenty ninth. Yeah, but, I don't but, know. but to be fair, this is Kansas we're talking about. So stealing, like, you know, beating beat Tennessee Tech, take care of business, and steal one off Duke. I mean, yeah, the body blow theory worries me, but I yeah. think this one's spicy because they could be two and one in the non con, which would be yeah. a step up for them. Receiving votes in the AP poll, uh, Kansas Jayhawks. Uh, okay, Kansas State. Why do why does any school schedule a school from why does any FBS school schedule a school from the Dakotas? I don't understand. Yeah, and Kansas State had an issue with them last year. I, I think, know. if I believe uh, they're they're feisty. Um, yeah, yeah, home, that one yeah. that one's spicy to me. Yeah, home I, for I think, South Dakota. I think Kansas State's non-con is extremely spicy. Home for South Dakota, home for Missouri, and home for Tulane. Um, Weeks one, two, and three, three home games. You get a re- you get a nice ramp up. Missouri is a little bit of a reach, and then you recoup yeah. against Tulane. I love this non-con. I think you're going to get tested. I think yep. you should go three and zero. Be able to have some scabs already scabbed over before you get a conference play. I, I think this is spicy, and all three of these games are going to be fun. You get a weird offense in Tulane yep. that helps your defense kind of lock in. I think it's great. I do too. I'm I'm fully on board. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Very spicy. Uh, Oklahoma, home for UTEP, home for Kent State, your boy, and uh, at Nebraska. This is a different podcast, but Sean Lewis should have taken a job, man. Joe Moorhead just moved in across the street. The neighborhood's going to hell. Um, (laughs) He's going to get so hard. I think this one, uh, UTEP last year under Dana Demel was really fun. And I think that they had um, some good aspects. I don't think they'll be anywhere near the challenge that like Tulane was for them this year. Um, uh, Nebraska, they, sh- they should be worried about. I think that their schedule doesn't do the kind of like easy, hard, mm-hmm. and then a breather that some of these other guys do. I think that UTEP and Kent State are entirely tune-up games. And then you get at Nebraska, and that is going to be a physical, crazy game right into Big 12 conference play. So this is... This is kind of mild for me. Um, the Nebraska matchup is certainly one of the best ones. Um, but the other two, I think, are just kind of boring. Yeah. We don't want to play an FCS school, but we're going to try and, you know. Yeah. September yeah. September 17th may be the ultimate Scott Frost day if Nebraska can pull off that win. Um, which I don't think they will, but I will be watching. I, I Like, you know how people always try and say, like, 
oh, I like like walk off walks or I like like fat guy touchdowns. Yeah. My thing that I walk that I like is um, coaches winning games that force schools to extend them when they'd rather not. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's my aesthetic, right? Put that, yeah, put that in a bottle. Make that a candle. Let me put that in my living room. Shit, and I think Scott Frost gets now. one of those. Yeah. God damn it. <laughs> the, okay, the, it's, the, it's... the AD is getting drunk tonight because he knows in the morning he's going to have to offer like a million dollar contract <laughs> that they're going to buy out immediately. <laughs> it's Michigan and Harbaugh just constantly spinning the drain. Uh, Jim, I've put up all the chairs. <laughs> I'm actively brushing my teeth in the living room. You have to leave my house. <laughs> <laughs> Oklahoma State. It starts off on a Thursday. September 1st, uh, hosting Central Michigan. Shout out to the Chippewas. Shout out uh, to the Chippewas who beat Oklahoma State, I believe, in yes, 2016. Yes, on, on, on one of the worst calls just, of all time. The ultimate. Yeah, just no idea how that happens. Yeah. But um, Central Michigan is returning a lot of their defense. They're returning quarterback Daniel Richardson, and they just hired Paul Petrino to be their offensive coordinator. They're my, they're my max sleeper for 2022. Okay. They could be pretty damn annoying. Okay. I like it. Um, Oklahoma so, State, also a team that starts very slow. Right. So start with Central Michigan at home, Arizona State at home. I The culture clash between Arizona State and Stillwater, Oklahoma is amazing to me. I, I don't think they're dissimilar, but they're different in so many ways. Yeah, it's um, it's kind of like when somebody who like grew up in the city goes fishing for the first time and then loves it, right? Um, and the, you're just like that's that's how I feel about these two guys meeting. It's like you're you're weird. You have a lot. You're you're very very different, but you have a lot of similarities. Um, I think this one would have been spicier if uh, Herm wasn't you know yeah. actively cheating and getting caught for it and assistants were leaving and their quarterback transferred and all that. Um. They got a transfer quarterback. Arizona State did. That's going to be fun. But I don't. I don't know. I think yeah. that one's that one and UAPB are pretty um, pretty boring. Central Michigan's very spicy for me. Okay. as well. Okay. Uh, then we get to TCU at Colorado. I'll be there. Home for Tarleton. Shout out my old roommate, and then at SMU. Uh, I mean, it's spicy because I care about TCU. But uh, Sonny Dykes is going to get assaulted in Ford Stadium, dude. The yeah. way that they were like yelling at him and putting all that, it's going to be bad. Um, it's going to be very fun. We, my professional advice uh, to Sonny Dykes is to, off the bye week, which was not done unintentionally, off the bye week, um, beat SMU. But that, yeah. that is that would be a very good idea. That, yes. that matchup is spicy. I think Colorado is very boring. The Colorado game is don't lose. And then you yep. basically have two bye weeks before SMU. Yeah. Um, Although I will say, Tarleton a good FCS program, but uh, win. I mean, it's not... That should be a blowout. Tarleton's making the jump, at least in basketball. And yes. Maybe yeah, to, yeah, to the West yeah. Coast Conference. And there's been... Or not what... Uh, to the WAC, not the WCC. Um, yeah. yeah. But, uh, yeah, that's a whole interesting can of worms um, with Tarleton. Like I said, my old roommate is a videographer for the... Uh, and I've heard a lot of stuff. But, uh, yeah, interesting program. Uh, does not matter. TCU should win that game. Please beat SMU or else um, we're going to be looking for our receipt for one Sunny Dykes. Yeah, jeez. Um, uh, Texas. Well, I mean, listen, it's Louisiana Monroe and then Alabama and UTSA all at home. Texas, Alabama is going to be really fun for a lot of reasons. I think this is only super spicy um, because UTSA is not a bad team. And teams that get beat by Alabama often do really poorly the next game. Yep. And so those are back-to-back. Um, that's that's kind of fun. Uh, Texas Tech, uh, sorry, Murray State, uh, shout out the Racers uh, at home. Shout out uh, to Eric Kriegler, the greatest Murray State racer football uh, player of all time. Played offensive line for the uh, Cincinnati Bengals. Has a Super Bowl trophy, I think. Well, not, not with the Bengals, he doesn't. But, yeah. No, has a, um, I don't know, a thing. Anyway, shout out to Eric Kriegler. Okay, and then they shout out to the the two uh, ROTC uh, air rifle shooters from Granbury that he used to cover that went to Murray State. Great rifle program there. Yeah, so after Murray State, they have Houston at home, and then at North Carolina State, 
Houston has a chance to like have two Big 12 wins before they join the conference, which would be pretty sick. Um, I think it's going to be spicy. Yeah, I mean, this um, this sucks. This schedule is yeah. so hard for Texas Tech. Um, I mean, if they can win these games, holy cow, but I, I really don't think that they will. Um, and no. they're looking at they're looking at a one and two hole needing five in a Big Twelve where wins are going to be scarce this year. Um, not a great situation with the non con. I love the Houston series. I love. I think they're playing it at Energy in mm-hmm. Houston, and um, that's that's a very fun series. I, I love the ambition of scheduling the NC State because I, I really believe that like NC State should be a peer institution for Texas Tech, right? Like. Hey, we're, yeah. we're floating in that like six to nine wins. We have a good year. Maybe we're flirting with 10, um, kind of a deal. And I, 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 I love that peer. I wish more schools would kind of do that peer similarity mm-hmm. scheduling. Like I wish TCU would, um, and get, you know, Stanford yeah. on the schedule. And yeah, but I, I like yeah. that. I think they're going to lose both of those. It's spicy. I'm going to watch both of those games. NC State also like sneaky good this year. Like will be a good program in the ACC. I think I think we're reaching satiation with that though. I think that I think that the market is oversaturated with NC State optimism, and people are going too far. They are going to be good, and I agree. Yeah, I don't think they're going to be a playoff team, but I think they're I think, like really solid. Yeah, I mean that's all I'm saying. This is the time of year where you hear analysts say, "Hey, I think NC State might be really good," and kind of that second tier of hangers on. Turn that into like Devin Leary is going to be a round one quarterback kind of a deal. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, uh, yeah. And also Will Levi is going to be the uh, number one pick next year. I love the French pronunciation there. Levi. That's correct. It's Cajun. Maybe you didn't know that. Um, <laughs> West Virginia. <laughs> I just mispronounced it, but that's fine. Uh, West Virginia start, West Virginia starts at Pitt, which sick awesome. as hell. Yeah, sick as hell. I remember when that I was writing for Diehards. When that series got announced to pick up this year, um, and everyone's reaction was like, "This is going to be awesome." So at Pitt, home for Towson, and then at West, uh, excuse me, at Virginia Tech. That's one and two, but it'll be an entertaining one and two. It'll be a spicy I don't know, Virginia, one and two. Virginia Tech might be bad. Um, they're going to have some transition. They were they they were kind of floundering at the end of last year, and I think that their coaching search didn't go the way they wanted it to. Yeah. Um, you mean Billy Napier is not the coach of Virginia Tech? Dude, Billy Napier has Billy Napier has a room in his house with just coaching contracts just framed that he never signed. <laughs> it's, do you remember? Um, do you remember? Was it the Bears GM or the Giants GM that like drafted from his war room where it's like all the play sheets? Yeah, like across the wall. That's Billy Napier in his house. Like TCU would love you to be this head coach. Oh, yes. Sorry, it's going on the wall. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah, I, I think I think that they're more likely to beat um, Virginia Tech than they are to beat Pitt for sure, and I think that they're actually probably going to be favored to beat Virginia Tech. One question I will have: um, Pitt loses their offensive coordinator, the yeah. mastermind behind their offensive um, resurgent last year. That's those are two people. They lose their quarterback and their Bolitnikov receiver. Yeah. That's going to be rough. Yeah. Um, no, it, it will. That's a sweet spot for JT Daniels to come in and throw four touchdowns and an interception and West Virginia to win by three and the expectations to go off the freaking rails for West Virginia. Right. Which is what worries me is it's okay. Uh, say they start three and oh, I mean, what's the big 12 schedule look like? I got to pull that up now. Um, but if they start three and oh, and if there's an easy, you know, kind of Ooh. entry into Big Twelve play. Uh, they also okay, so they might start four zero because they do can they play Kansas? What we were talking about this earlier, it slipped my mind. But yeah, um, they they go Thursday at Pitt. They have nine days before Kansas, then a yeah. week before okay. Towson. So they grant have uh, eleven full days of practice, ten full days of practice between uh, Kansas and Virginia Tech. They should win that game. Then they're going yeah. at Texas, who just played Alabama and UTSA, buddy. I'm not predicting it. I'm just saying five and zero at the bye, four and one at the bye, is extremely reachable for West Virginia. And you know what that means? We get another win where Neil Brown gets a contract extension. Yeah. <laughs> the AD does not again, want to give him <laughs> again. Um, 
Yeah, I think that's uh, that's really funny. I will. Um, I'll throw a West because I think we're close to um, schedule. Talk yeah. about those schedules. Um, we we were talking. I did a space last week because I messed up our schedule and um, we couldn't podcast. And so I just did a Twitter space to like talk about Big Twelve quarterbacks a little bit and ramble and chat. And there were some people listening. And there was um, an employee of the West Virginia football department who hopped in. And I was talking about JT Daniels and being, you know, pretty milk toast, and and uh, I, I wasn't going out of my way to like kiss his butt or anything. But I was like, hey, I'm probably not going to actively poop on this while this guy's in here. And uh, our buddy Adam Lutt, who is overdue for a mm-hmm. podcast appearance, hopped in and I heard me talk about JT Daniels and requested to speak and just started ripping JT Daniels, <laughs> just absolutely like, what is West Virginia doing? Neil Brown is totally washed. Like this is not happening. And it was they weren't bad points, but I was like. Oh yeah, so um, interesting and like yeah, it's just yeah. Really thanks Adam. Him. Yeah, man, cool. <laughs> but it was good. It's I mean they you know they they understand. Yeah, no, for sure. Talking, but um, yeah, yeah. The w- other- West Virginia is no. I was going to say West Virginia is a fascinating. Like that is a program at a crossroads, and I think bringing in Graham Harrell and JT Daniels is a great like. Hey, stop the bleeding. Let's see if we can solve this once and for all move under the current regime. But I'm fascinated to see what happens with that program this year. Like, if like from a neutral observer of the Big Twelve, that's the program I'm most curious about. Is yep. what happens with West Virginia? And and they get um, the other thing pointing out their home slate is really nice for that middle tier because they get all three. They get Baylor, TCU, Kansas State, and Oklahoma at home. Hmm. Um, and so they're. I mean, Iowa State at Iowa State should should be a win. At Texas Tech should be a win, so that home slate's super favorable for them to steal a game against, um, you know, Kansas State yeah, or Baylor that they shouldn't because yeah. Morgantown's weird. So it sets up nicely for them to to hit a peak, but you just kind of ask, what is what's their peak? Right, right. Uh, okay, Parker. Uh, what else are we missing? Anything? Anything else you want to touch on? No, I think we've talked about quarterbacks. We've talked about um, divisions. I think this has been a, a fruitful off-season podcast, and we can. Um, I, I'm I'm content with a good day's work. I think we did all right here. <laughs> I'm I'm going to cap this off by looking up what the noun version of the word lucrative is. Lucrative as a noun. This is great. Audio. Nope. Lucrative, just an adjective. There's no noun. There's no lucrativity. There's no... Luster? The luster? Oh, that's a different thing. Okay. The... Lucre, maybe. Lucre. We should have the podcast just end by us just trailing off, saying words that start with L that vaguely mean things (laughs) about being generally attractive. Lingonberry. Loquacious. Um, luxurious. This has been the Purple Theory Podcast. My name is Grant McGalliard. <laughs> He's Parker Fleming. You can find us on Twitter uh, at Grant McGalliard, spelled like it sound with all those vowels. You can find Parker on Twitter at Stats of War. Stick with us. We're recording weekly from here on out. We might have a surprise coming down the pipe. Uh, Parker, any any place I can direct you? Any any projects you have coming out? Any, any hey, uh, just got confirmation. I knew this was going to happen, but BetUS is rolling it back for the fall, man. So we're, we're having another oh, yeah. uh, productive college football season. Yeah. Make sure that YouTube subscription is still live. And until next week, uh, Parker, go Frogs. Go Frogs. Go Frogs.